Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit Fitness News where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always I'm joined by Tom. Hello. This week we are going to take a closer look at junk science. Is misinformation killing us and what can we do about it? Should you be training harder so doing more high intensity workouts or is that going to be dangerous? And we finish on reformer Pilates. What is it and why is TikTok going mad over it? Let's get into this week's fitness news. Well, before we do that, we better speak about how uh, the, the, the more the more recent and pressing breaking news that I was unaware. Oh of. yeah, sorry, I'm jumping the gun. Gone, please, Tom. So obviously, last week I was talking about uh, my dislike for Jamie Oliver, and yep. therefore, <laughs> due to his partnership with Sainsbury's, it then it then led to me being a bit bitter towards Sainsbury's. But apparently, they updated the terror watch list because I didn't know this, <laughs> but Jamie Oliver actually, I don't know, it must be like a political falling out or something. Because he actually then went and aligned himself with Tesco. Big Tesco. Yeah. Which is fine because I don't really shop in Tesco anyway. I mean, admittedly, I shop in the little mini express ones. You know? Yeah, okay. Which, which to be fair, I don't think that is the same as supporting one of the big ones, is it? So if we, if, if we it, were associated really? with terrorism, which we're not, which we're not, it's like saying, you know, just because I like going to, uh, just because I enjoy a pint of Guinness doesn't necessarily mean I support the IRA. So God, we it's exactly this? the same as, you know, if I go to a Tesco Express every now and again, doesn't necessarily mean I'm supporting the bigger Tescos. That's not right. even a hypocrite. That's just, uh, you know, it's just the way it is, isn't it? But yeah, fuck Jamie Oliver and Tesco, but maybe not Tesco Express. I've got some sympathetic leanings towards that. What was that? I thought that was you. That's MI5 fucking listening to me on the other end. <laughs> MI5 listening. <laughs> That's me getting swatted. <laughs> anyway, breaking news over. Um, we'll go on to it. We'll get into this week's The Fitness News. Okay, guys, we will start with the first piece of news. And this is, as you know, we're a continuous uh, news show here, guys. And we're going to be sort of tackling on to the end of last week's uh, episode when we spoke about the whole Lucky Charms um, chaos. This week, we're going to start by looking at junk science. So, I mean, I remember, Tom, you had a bit of a... I was uh, editing a video earlier, and you actually had a bit of a, a monologue, you could say, about misinformation, which was uh, quite interesting <laughs> listening back to it. Uh, and that's, this obviously links really nicely to this junk science thing and how we spoke about misinformation spreading. So what we've actually got, it's another week, it's another men's health article, and it's actually another decent one. Two weeks in a row we've had like two sort of somewhat decent um, men's health articles. Normally they're fucking atrocious. I mean, the cheek <laughs> of uh, men's health putting out an article about debunking junk misinformation. Yeah. Hey, it's pot called kettle you- black really, isn't it? Did you go through it? So obviously, this article we're going to look at, we'll link it down in the show notes, but this article was part of like one of four. There was like four of them basically all linking. Uh, and so I don't know if you read the end of like the last one uh, when they were talking about places to find good science and not junk science. And they were like, of course, men's health is, the, is a place to go. Obviously, because they're being paid by them. <laughs> but I was like, the, the audacity. <laughs> Definitely like, zero bias there. Yeah, no bias. But overall, it was actually not a bad uh, article. Yeah. It was very obviously uh, catered towards... Uh, COVID-19 and vaccines etc but uh, no it was a good article yeah. ironically the kind of people that would read Men's Health that article probably sent them over the edge <laughs> yeah. absolutely seething I mean Tom just alluded to that it was a lot about COVID in this article however we do talk about the spread of misinformation so we are going to generalise we're not going to just like, hammer into COVID um, 
two reasons. One, we don't bring it up again. And two, we're not really it's well beyond our scope. Yeah, it's way beyond our, way beyond our spoke, spoken practice. So we're not going to go into that. Um, but basically, we'll start by, I'll read you out a quote. This is truly the golden era of misinformation. We are, as the World Health Organization declared in early 2020, in the middle of an infodemic, a time when harmful misinformation is spreading like an unstoppable infectious disease. So the question is, why are we in this, as they call it, golden era of misinformation? How did we get there? So I'll start by giving kind of my opinion on it. Of course, it's going to be multifactorial. I don't think I think you'd be pretty naive to just blame it on one thing. However, I would ultimately pin a lot of it down to social media. Uh, there was actually a, a couple of papers in this article, which if you go into, they explored that if you consume your news from social media, you are more likely to believe and spread in misinformation. And this sort of stuff makes sense because I've spoken to people before and actually someone recently sort of saying, why do you sell Facebook? Because we were talking about the different uh, demographics of people who use social media now, trying to like when you're trying to target certain audiences, what audiences are on what social media. And Facebook, a lot of our age group doesn't seem to use it as much anymore. So I asked them, why do they use it? And they said, oh, there's a lot of news that sort of like, I feel like I'm missing out if I don't like read some of the stuff that comes out of Facebook. And I was thinking like, who are you getting your news from? Like Lad Bible. I wouldn't call them like a reliable source of news. So I can see kind of why that is. But if I was to go into my key points, Tom, and why I think social media has a big part and obviously jump in and sort of say your thing. Um, I'll start by saying, it's not a term I've made up. This is something I've, I've read before, is that negativity bias is universal. So as humans, we are evolutionary, you could say, predisposed to remember and respond to negative and perhaps scary information. Uh, and I, I think... And I think that's it's more of a safety thing. If you think about it from an evolution point of view, it's a safety thing. You're more likely to remember something that is potentially going to threaten you in any way. We tend to see this uh, with the media a lot, don't we? Mm. We see it on the headlines of newspapers, yeah. etc. Um, you know, it, something negative tends to trigger more of an emotional response. Something yeah. positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly that. And we, we see on social media, people want... The reactions they want engagement with their content yeah. to push the algorithm which will come onto the algorithm they like to do it to push their stuff so why do you think like social media influencers tend to shit on things rather than promote things or at least the one that excuse me but the ones that are like um, more popular tend to be the ones that make negative negativity based posts well exactly you know? yeah exactly and, and following on to that I would, I would link this to my next point in that our attention span at the moment is severely limited and we need emotionally yeah. driven headlines, especially those negative ones that we just mentioned. Um, to Five make an seconds impact. to get an, an emotional reaction. Yeah, go, for go, sure. Go. Like I've put a little example here in our notes, actually. I've got two separate um, titles I come up with. The first one would be peer-reviewed major analysis shows that cornflakes may reduce metabolic disease in men versus cornflakes now come with microchips. What one are you more likely to click? Wait, is that real? A real? <laughs> no, you made that up. No, I've, made, I've real? made that. I've made that up. I went down a bit of a no, no. I went down a cornflake rabbit hole. Uh, my algorithm, mate. You see, my, oh, my TikTok now catalogs <laughs> everywhere. But no, but uh, jokes aside, those two articles there. One of them is a bit fucking wacky, but you're more likely to click on it because it's it's just it's a bit more out there. It's a bit more like, whoa, are you telling me my morning cereal is going to be tracking me now? So it's negative. It's going to emotionally drive you because you're going to be thinking, oh, the fucking government again, which we spoke about last week. Whereas the first one, which actually yeah, it's quite promising. That sounds quite good. You just chin that off. There's too much going on there. It's, too, it's not really that interesting. Um, it's, it's saying it's going to do something good. It's not negative enough, basically. So I think because our attention span is so limited, marketing companies, agencies, influencers, they're all realizing they need to be punchy. They need to be probably more negative than anything. Even 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 the ones who are on the fence, because you get some like good content creators, 
even they, because they know they have to do it to get the engagement, they'll be saying something positive, but they'll either title it or they'll insinuate something negative. Like in a cover yeah. art, the cover art, for example, it could be a really positive title, but the cover art will be quite a negative and they'll be like, oh, that looks quite fucking... Do you mean like a bit of back pain with like a nuclear explosion yeah, yeah, going for sure, yeah. on the spine? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that, even though the title will be like, um, pain is complicated, blah, 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 or they'll, t- they'll put the title biopsychosocial model um, and pain in the lower back, whatever. But the picture will be, as you said, the fucking atomic bomb. So people will automatically go, what the fuck is that? Oh my God. Or even in nutrition, you know, you'll have like a big font, GMOs are killing us. Or top 10 things are bad for you. You won't believe what number six is. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Because straight away, it's caught your attention. Yeah. And it, it's unfortunate. I mean, we can go into kind of our thoughts in a bit. It's the way it is. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to you have to be on that fence. Because when you make content, there's no point making it if no one's going to see it or hear it. Because then you've kind of just made it. It's, it's not going to really benefit anyone. So you have to sometimes flirt with the line just so people can hear it. And then no, and then as long as your content itself is obviously not a load of bollocks, <laughs> then you can kind of get away with it. But if you are just yeah, being negative, emotionally driven and giving shit content and you are telling people that cornflakes come with microchips, then you're a little bit dodgy. I mean, like, don't get on, you do get some, uh, let's say, gym-based influence. Obviously, I'm talking about this a lot from like a fitness point of view at the end of the day because that is what I work in, in the fitness industry. But like a lot of like gym-based uh influencers etc some of them do put out legitimately good content sure but because they know that they understand the game that it needs to catch your attention rapid five seconds sometimes they might use clickbait it's clickbait is not something i really agree with like they'll put up clickbait <laughs> you've, to- you've, you've told me off <laughs> you've told me off a few times i've posted a video <laughs> that's just me being me though i don't mean anything by it um or also or sometimes they'll have to use like a meme a quick attention grabbing meme just so they could get that five second attention span you know uh span not spam <laughs> attention span and then uh obviously give more context afterwards i think it's i'm not don't quote me on these this uh statistic but i'm sure it's the first seven seconds is like crucial because that's when after that seven seconds if the if the brain's not engaged the audience members not engaged they're very likely just to switch off or scroll especially on things like tiktok so you've almost got to make sure your first seven seconds are either engaging or you've got to give them a reason yeah. to continue. So if you look at our videos, Tom, I share on Instagram and TikTok or whatever, I always have a title which is very clear of what the video is about because <laughs> yeah. people... Well, kind of, yeah, because if people watch the first seven seconds and let's... Not all of our videos have an exciting nuclear bomb explosion first seven seconds. So I need to mm. give them a title so they know that the video itself might get a bit more punchy in another 20 seconds or so so the title is really important Mm. but it is is crucial you have to get their attention super quick Um, otherwise people just turn off they just don't they just don't want to watch it to be fair with half of the shit i spell out at the beginning of these episodes you can just make a (laughs) clip out of those out of context and uh yeah just let the algorithm do its thing but going back to attention spans like um straight away like the scales are instantly tipped in the favor of misinformation and that is when it comes to research, anything kind of related to science, including yeah, the fitness industry, a lot of discussions like are not clear cut and simple. You know, mm. like a lot of the a lot of the time, I answer questions with, "Well, it depends." That's not me being a pretentious dick. It's just that it generally does depend. So, if someone said to me, "Like, um, oh, should I be doing X, Y, Z exercises, or should I be taking this supplement?" It's not always a clear yes or no. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does depend, and it's going to take me more than those seven magical seconds. Yeah to actually and this have a is, conversation about it. And this is exactly why 
conspiracies do well because they offer a complete narrative to why things are happening. And by, by that, I mean, if we say, we, we obviously we say it depends, it might do X, it might do Y, whatever it depends. They will put out a, an absolute answer. We will very, very rarely say that. We'll be like, okay, this study suggests that this supplement might do this. Whereas a conspiracy will be like, bang, this supplement causes fucking gain, this, this amount of gains or this supplement causes you know chronic back pain whatever there'll be their absolute answers and because people like having a complete narrative because let's face it it probably guys you listen out there now you probably get a bit pissed off sometimes when me and tom will go for a whole podcast and then finish with but it depends <laughs> we don't actually answer the question but it does we can't <laughs> we're not going to lie to you and say that this is an absolute answer I'm, I'm fully aware that people want a complete narrative but that's not what we're about i mean if I look at, uh, for example, yeah, the actual article actually said this, which is quite interesting. A story that gives answers, even a seemingly zany conspiracy theory, can be comforting, especially if that story reflects our pre-existing values and beliefs. Uh, it was that evil Bill Gates and his microchips. And this is what links back to last week really, really a lot because the government thing, anti-government, anti-big government, they're trying to make us sick, they're trying to do this. That headline saying that it was a government food pyramid, that straight away reflect their pre-existing values and beliefs that they are anti-government. Because they're already anti-government, mm. that story, that article supported their beliefs. So they straight away latched on it, didn't look at any sort of context, didn't even think to look into it. It supported their emotional belief. So straight away, it completed their narrative of government is bad. They ran away with it. They're liking it, commenting on it, sharing it. It's exploded. If I was to think of another example here, mate, and that would be if I if someone was to if someone was to ask me, are deadlifts bad? Mm. I can answer that in two ways depending on what side of the spectrum I'm on in regards to like being a shitbag mm. or trying to actually put some thought into it. If I was someone that was just looking for a reaction, I could just go, Yes, deadlifts are bad for you, they'll break your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, if so if I was trying to be as honest as possible and someone said are deadlifts bad for my back i want to give a bit more context context now i want to say well it's not inherently dangerous exercise it depends on load management and then i've got to explain what load management might be to them you know um do you have any kind of past injuries people where just switch really off they just movement flares your pain yeah, they won't exactly. listen. They won't listen. see what i mean i've actually taken more than the seven seconds explaining how i'd actually explain it in the first yeah, place yeah. and i deal with people like this quite often where they want just a quick clear-cut answer Mm-hmm. Yes or no. Um, it doesn't always work like that. I can try and be as simple as possible and give you practical applications so you can still take away a message of knowing like um, if you should be taking something or if you should or shouldn't or should not be taking something mm-hmm. or doing certain exercises. But um, fuck me. like If you ask me a question, at least expect me to put a bit of effort behind the answer yeah. rather than just giving you a yes or no and at least appreciate that as well. And we will come on to this later when we talk about how you can, the places to go for sources and red flags potentially as well. Because Tom's kind of, if you were switched on listening there, you probably weren't. You probably switched off <laughs> as he was going. But if you were, you would have noticed a few things there of uh, good sources. More switched off than uh, John Wayne's safety catch. God, here we go. Classic. Um, speaking of uh, old school sayings and old school things, Tom, going into this topic, I could not help but think about your old conspiracy days. Um, and how you went down those rabbit holes. And <laughs> all I want to talk about now is, can you remember any of your old conspiracies? Obviously, we've got the old classic, Birds Aren't Real, they're government drones. That, was, that All of our listeners will know that one by now. We mentioned it a few times. But can you remember any of the other I mean, ones? that wasn't even mine. 
I stole that from a. There's a whole meme page set up to it. Well, to my hope none of them were yours. Um, but yeah, there was. Uh, I think there was mole people. Mole people, yeah. There was hollow earth. Yeah. Uh, there was the moon. The moon ain't real, which I actually stole from Ali G. Yeah, because you went down a rabbit hole there, didn't you? you? Said the moon wasn't real. Birmingham, Birmingham wasn't real at one point. Birmingham Scotland wasn't, real. wasn't real. Yeah. And to be fair, if you did meet someone from Birmingham, it would be very hard to believe it was a real place. Oh, the oil rigs. That I remember. The oil rigs were. Um, wasn't that you said they were giant straws to feed? The, which, to be fair, they pretty much are giant feed, straws. Feed the, uh, it was just the, the, uh, the monster or something. The, the outcome of why they was actually siphoning the oil, which was a. Uh, probably a bit of misinformation on my behalf about feeding Cthulhu or yeah. other, you know, monsters. Lurk I mean, beneath. if anyone believes that. Yeah. But do you know what? Like, um, it does get exhausting mm. going down. Because I was actually Googling actual conspiracies to try and get inspired for things to say. And some of these things, like, uh, yeah, like the Hollow Earth theory was a real one, apparently. You know, people generally did believe that. It's quite yeah. frightening. And the thing is, it led me down a rabbit hole because I, I, I'm a Wikipedia fiend sometimes. You know, like when you, Joe, you know I've got five minutes. I'm just going to read up on something random on Wikipedia. But one click leads to another click. And before you know it, you're fucking reading up on like how an ancient Egyptian curse sunk the Titanic, you know, or something like that. And it led me on to those, the, um, oh, what was that cult in America where they all drunk the cool? Oh, God, yeah. Fuck, what was that? Yeah, I forgot their bloody name. Was it Heaven's Gate? Heaven's Gate, wasn't it? Yeah, Heaven's I Gate. I think it was Heaven's Gate, yeah, yeah, Heaven's Gate. And it's like their website is still active and live. Yeah. You can go on it. And for some reason, their cult, they was um, the cult was all wearing these particular branded sneakers or trainers, if you're in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was kind of weird as well. That they decided to go out with a little bit of zazz as they committed mass suicide this makes me think of the whole algorithm thing the algorithms that are on social media on the internet because you even said you were because you were going down in rabbit holes you were just getting down further and further because yeah. if you engage with one conspiracy theory online you are suddenly going to be transported into a fucking rabbit hole of microchipped cornflakes and 5g towers cause covid there's going to be all these different things you're going to get sent down because the algorithm wants to show you what you want to see and if we look at it from a psychological point of view people are a product of their environment. So if your environment is saturated with conspiracy theories because every social media platform you've gone you've gone on, you engage with that content and that's all you're ever looking at, your environment is mm. then conspiracy theories. So you're then going to slowly become a product of that environment, meaning you are more likely to share conspiracy theories, you're more likely to talk about it, you're probably going to start believing it because you're going to be in this little bubble, little echo chamber of everyone talking about conspiracies, everyone saying, oh, this is true, this is anti-government, blah, blah, blah. And you don't know any other arguments, you don't know any other context because you're in this echo, ch uh, echo chamber, sorry, in this bubble mm. of the algorithm and you don't know any different. So it's actually quite dangerous yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. It's, it's quite worrying when I put it like that. So that is something I spoke about quite recently, actually, is that the algorithm does kind of uh, push you more into like a deeper rabbit hole with these things. And like, uh, not just in regards to, with social media in particular, with like things like TikTok and, um, so yeah, TikTok and Instagram, etc. The algorithm knows what you like to click on. Yeah. And it is pretty poorly regulated oh yeah so you know and some of these things also sometimes they don't even mean harm you know like talk about aliens etc you know like feel free to post that but at the same time the algorithm can kind of like connect you to other things mm -hmm. so you know if you're just clicking away you become more vulnerable to misinformation yeah. and as we kind of spoke about earlier misinformation misinformation relies on you to have a pretty short attention span mm-hmm 
they don't expect you to have the, the the patience or the skills or the ability or the even the the access to be able to translate or understand research mm. science the mechanisms of it how it yeah. works how it gets translated and um another thing is like with misinformation it is it can be purposely manufactured to get clicks right it is clickbait mm. bear me one second mate let me try and find what it was i actually said ages ago that's it so when it comes to like misinformation it creates like it's zero effort to create it mm-hmm. because the chances are the people you're already kind of trying to give this message to are already susceptible to believe anything without much evidence in the first place. So it's already targeting the vulnerable. Uh, what is it? It's um, Brandolini's Law. I can't remember okay. it verbatim, but Brandolini's Law is basically it, it takes more effort to debunk bullshit than what it does to originally create it. So mm. if I was to just um, come up with like one of my random conspiracies right now, off the top of my head, if I was to say, oh, you know, the material in curtains... Is giving you cancer. Hmm. That was very low effort. I just came off that at the top of my head. Yeah. It requires but to prove zero it doesn't, effort. The test you'd have to do. Yeah, but you can't prove that. <laughs> prove to me, Bill, that it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a lab. It's it's now costing you more effort to debunk me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sure. these really shit curtains that my landlord forced upon me, you know, is uh, causing me cancer. I mean, it probably is just by the sight of them. But do you see what I mean? Like, um, mm. it's low effort to create misinformation. It's actually low effort to believe it as well. Because hmm. a lot of time it's probably stroking your bias anyway. Well, because it's a it's a complete narrative, Tom. If To to, to believe it, it's just easy. You just say, yeah, I believe it. If you start questioning it and going into the context, it's more effort for you to then have to explore it. So of course people are going to just yeah, go, exactly. oh, okay, that curtain gives me cancer. Oh, fucking, I'm not going to buy my curtains from that place anymore. But the thing is as well, and uh, to be fair, if that was true, you wouldn't actually be buying them from that place anymore either. I'd be <laughs> yeah, having to be shut down. Some kind <laughs> yeah, of evil so. fucking curtain factory. Um, <laughs> but another thing to another thing to consider is that it is okay to have a distrust of the government, etc. So if we, we, I'm going, obviously I'm talking about the government now because we were talking about the Cheerios thing, etc. Now with the Joe Rogan post that we're talking about, that was taken way out of context without any understanding because they they specifically said, oh, this is a government-backed, you know, the government want you to follow this new food pyramid, etc., which it wasn't a food pyramid and it wasn't actually government-backed either. It was independent. Yeah. But I do understand that some people have a healthy distrust of the government. That's fine because at the end of the day, they are fucking the government have been fucking over the people for many years. And when I talk about the government, it could be the US, it could be the UK. Mm. You know, there are certain things which, if we did not have proof of it, we would think it was conspiracy. You know, we'd think it was conspiracy. And sometimes the government doesn't help in regards to the way it acts. Mm. When um, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, very recently, the UK government is trying to put, like, a crackdown on protesting, yeah. you know. Now, straight away, me, I could be a conspiracy theorist, and I could say they're doing that because they're planning another lockdown for, against COVID next year. That's why they do it now. They're getting ready so that they can shoot you in the street if you do to protest. And they'll say it's due to COVID, you know. Now, it, that, once again, that was low effort. I could just say that. But someone could listen to that and say, actually, it makes sense. Because, no, here's yeah. the proof. It does say here mm-hmm. that the government is... So you see how I've kind of gish galloped that there? Yeah. I've um, I've mentioned a half-truth, but then I've gone and put my own spin on it. I mean, if we look at... Um, it went, it, not that long ago, you know, we went to war. 
with the premise that, you know, there are WMDs yeah. in Iraq. Iraq. Yeah. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, it was almost like the Kevin Spacey effect. It completely changed overnight. It was overnight, sorry. It was no longer, oh, we're here for WMDs. It's no, we're here to win freedom. It's like, fucking <laughs> hell. Yesterday's papers were saying that it was to do with WMDs, and now suddenly it's a complete reversal. So I can understand that people do have a heavy distrust in the government. But at the same time, social media has kind of weaponized misinformation. It is so quick now just to get a quick wham-bam dose of misinformation. A quick image, a quick reactionary headline, and there you go, it's done. And usually it relies on people share things. And I think everyone in their family has that one crazy aunt or you know <laughs> one crazy family member yeah. that you know shares things like... I mean, I had it a while ago with a family member that was sharing me things saying, you know, Doritos were killing us for whatever reason so, yeah and it was to do with like some kind of additive and i had to just kind of like know when to pick my battle there and just yeah, like oh yeah. okay cool probably yeah. right so what we're going to do now guys we're going to give you nine ways you can actually spot junk science because uh, as we said some people just don't have the, the knowledge or the tools to to be able to do so so they just run with it so we'll, we'll give you nine ways now and kind of like break them down a bit so if we start number one the first question you need to ask yourself is if you see a claim or you see an infographic online is there evidence for this and when we say is there evidence for this you need to be looking at things like the quality is it peer-reviewed okay and we obviously know the peer-reviewed thing is not perfect but it's still valuable if it's been peer-reviewed it's definitely stronger than not being peer-reviewed you need to look mm. at the size of the study and then even then we can say the quality of the paper for example meta-analysis if you say is there evidence for this and they pull out a meta-analysis that could be awesome however you still got to be careful I mean, if you go back and listen to our Fitness News 6, we actually spoke about how to read a major analysis and why they're not all created equal. So you can now start to realize how much hard work it even is just to answer the first point. Is there evidence for this? Because <laughs> that can lead you down a very time-consuming path of having to look at different types of evidence, looking at the quality of it. Maybe if it's cross-reference it with some friends, be like, is this actually good? Because I can't even read it properly. Um, you know, is, is this legit? So that is one way you can spot junk science. I mean, if there is no evidence for it, you can pretty much say with some confidence, okay, this is probably junk science because there is no science. This mm -hmm. is just <laughs> some random claim. But if there is evidence, then you need to look into it. Do you know what? Um, you just reminded me, I made a mistake earlier of going onto TikTok. And uh, believe it or not, Bill... My algorithm is completely fucked now with conspiracy theorists. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. And it really did make me laugh because at the moment, uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember what the fuck it was I clicked on. That reminded me. Sorry to interrupt. I just said, Please don't yeah. tell me we're going to say no, the no, same no. thing. Go no, no, on. No. So, go on, you go first. It'll be right. polite of me not to so let you go basically, first. basically, obviously, we all, I think people are fully aware now. Phones listen. Okay, they listen to what you say and they yeah. use that to give I know you information. Where you're going, so, do you remember we went out on Sunday? No, Saturday, sorry. We were in London, weren't we? We were out for some drink stuff. Um, you remember you were telling me about Christopher Lee was in a heavy metal band before he died? Yeah. I went onto TikTok the next day and the first video that came up was a video of him in his metal band in this music video. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh my God. I was like, this is incredible. This is actually incredible. Do you know what though? Like, I genuinely do believe, and this isn't a joke, like, I've, got, I've got an Alexa. I've got Alexa. Yeah. Now, I can understand that, obviously, if I was clicking on things on my laptop or my phone, that would definitely affect my advertisements, etc., cookies, whatever else. But there have been times where I've not clicked on anything. I've not left a digital trace. But I have said something in the, in the privacy of my own home, and suddenly, then I'll be getting advertisements for things. 
So I do think that, you know, but the funny thing is I don't think that's anything government-based. I just think that is corporations being shitty. Yeah, well, why would you do that? They obviously want <laughs> to target you, know I mean? you stuff you want to see. Yeah. I mean, if I do start, I tell you what, if I start getting advertisements for balaclavas and Irish flags later on, then we definitely know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I went on TikTok and um, I've been getting these videos where they'll say something like, oh, we found this creepy statue and then it will be like a, a Google Maps view of the earth and it will slowly zoom into something creepy or whatever. And the caption that I saw recently started off as, um, oh, we found this odd-looking animal and it's got really ominous music playing behind it. So as it slowly zooms in and in and in, I'm thinking, fucking hell, like, where's this going to take me? And I swear to God, like, I, this wasn't satire. This was a genuine conspiracy page. It zoomed in until you could see a cow standing by the side of the road. Oh, fuck off. A cow. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck brilliant. is this? <laughs> and yeah, one of the comments just said, my guy zoomed in on a cow. And that made me laugh. Uh, but no, like, <laughs> what I was actually going to say was like, um, the thing is as well, like, uh, with misinformation, as I said, it's already targeting people who have like a very specific uh, vulnerability where they're, they're heavily biased and they're willing to take things with literally the slightest pinch of salt. So, for example, um, in a comment I saw, they was talking about how Tom Hanks was on the Epstein flight log. So I actually got curious. Now, usually with stuff like that, I've just kind of on my eyes. But like, I, for, for whatever reason, I keep on seeing things about Tom Hanks being this Satan, child-eating, devil worshipper. Worshipper. Now, my bias is <laughs> right. I fucking love Tom Hanks, okay? He was in Big. Yeah. He was in Saving Private Ryan, you know? I love Tom Hanks. I was like, fucking hell, like, I know this is actually true. So actually, you can actually find the Epstein flight log. It's really easy to look, to find. Um, and yeah, funny enough, Tom Hanks' name is not mentioned on it at all. And it's like, this person has probably just randomly heard this from someone else and has taken it at face value because straight away it fits with their idea that, yeah, everyone is a, you know, nonce. pedophile nonce that goes Epstein <laughs> on it. Everyone that I don't like or who I consider to be a liberal yeah. or who's part of the Hollywood, you know, satanic circle. Um, yeah. I do want, I'm actually going to purposely start putting out misinformation myself just for a joke for fun and I'm going to start saying to people you do know Joe Rogan was on the Epstein flight list because what's the chances that those people will then go out of their way to actually research this to find if it's true because I guarantee you suddenly they want to look into this deeper then suddenly they want to actually look for some kind of proof if it was Tom Hanks if it was uh, I don't know Joe Biden if it was I don't know um, someone who they consider some kind of like oh liberal you know, they'll just take it at face value because straight away their biases towards it towards that is like, yeah, some I disagree with. So yeah, fuck that. They're a pedophile. They was on the Epstein mm. flight list. But if I was to say, oh, did you know Andrew Tate was on the Epstein flight log? I guarantee you they'll be so seething with rage that they'll have to disprove me because suddenly it goes against their bias. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna purpose it. I wanna say, by the way, this isn't true, just I'm not held liable. But I do think it'd be funny to, you know, plant this misinformation out there as a, as a joke, as a good humoured joke. I mean, we could start doing it to each other as a laugh. That'd be funny. What, see, we, whatever the start of every episode? Oh, cause, yeah. Got any, um, Were you aware that Bill's on the news? Epstein flight log? <laughs> Bill was on the Epstein <laughs> sake. Don't start saying that, mate. He's not putting nonce. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Fucking hell. God, people believe that as well, mate, yeah. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> you said like, I was one of the engineers for the plane. Like it's okay. <laughs> one of the engineers. Yeah, I was only there. Only there no, 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 only I was trying to bomb the plane. Like <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to crash so. into the house. <laughs> right. Uh, 
Guys, we'll move on to yeah, number two, which, which is um, linked to number one, kind of. This is, is the evidence preliminary, um, preliminary, I should say. Uh, basically, all that means is has the evidence even been like kind of accepted? Because there was an example in this paper, which was referenced COVID, where someone brought out some paper saying that the vaccine did X, Y, Z. It wasn't even like proper, like fully published. It actually got redacted not long after because they basically found out the paper was bollocks. However, you'll see papers like this and people will pull them up because it will be site, it'll be like a research paper and people are like, oh my God. But if it's not actually fully gone through, you have to be cautious um, and you can't really use that as your evidence for your whatever point you're trying to make. Okay, so that kind of links to the first one about the quality of the evidence. And then if we move on to the next bit, once again, on the evidence train, is the claim being made based on anecdote? Okay, um, that based by anecdote, if you're unaware, that just means like someone's own opin opinion to their own experience. So, you know, if Tom found that when he did a hit car phrase, he burped, he could then blag on the internet, oh, car phrases make you burp. There's mm, no evidence. That's, that's his, yeah, that's his own Due anecdotal. Due to intra-abdominal pressure. Exactly that. And that, that links what I was about to say after that. Sciencey language is, you know, is often exploited in these situations to make information sound more credible. And I'll fast forward a little bit to another point they made was is there science exploitation, which is a little term they come up with. And this kind of links to sciencey language. Um, an example I can actually Cavalier. give you. Everything next. Yeah. Exactly. If you make something sound smart and sciencey, people are more likely to be listened to, aren't they? Of course they are. If I give you an example, um, what have I come up with here then? I've got this new lab-borne protein enzyme promises to make you quantifiably better, detoxifying the body in the process. I mean, that is vague and meaningless, isn't it really? If we, if you listen to that sentence, lab-borne protein enzyme promises to make you quantifiably better, detoxifying the body in the process. That has absolutely no meaning on anything really. Quantifiably better. I'm going to be stealing that from now. On. <laughs> that's a that's a great that's a great term, isn't it? Literally buzzword one one. But this is this is like it's jokes aside. This is actually genuine stuff that you will see online from people. Mm. Like they will use this sort of language, and people will be lapping it up when really a lot of it's based on anecdote. But they know that, and because there's no actual research they can use, they'll kind of bulk out their their claims with this language to make people think, oh, this is sciencey. This is legit. There is the term blinding with science. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, classic. Blind mm. science, yeah. Like that. Throw someone 15 pub meds and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally that, yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of anecdote, next way you can spot junk science is, is it just a friend's opinion? Uh, there's actually research on this, and it does make sense when you actually look at it, is that people who we are similar with, we tend to trust more regardless of the source. How many times have you had a friend come up to you and say something, and because they're your friend and you are, you know, quite similar to them, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, yeah, against your better instinct. But normally, yeah. if you didn't know someone, or you weren't any that bothered, or if it's someone against your bias and someone you really don't align with, for example, if Donald Trump, had, you know, you you hate Donald Trump, for example, and he said something to you, you would more likely ignore it and completely chin it off. Whereas if you liked yeah. someone else and it was your friend, they could say the exact same sentence, and you'd find they're more, more likely weight. to. Holds more weight, exactly that. There was this is even... where appeal to authority comes into it as well. Mm -hmm. Did you actually see the research? There was actually um, someone faces. If someone's got a similar mm. face to you, they found that that was more likely to elicit trust. Really? Yeah, they had like a similar That's quite face. Interesting. It was, yeah, it was one of the papers. It wasn't like massive. It was only a couple, it was a couple of papers, but... Does that count if you're talking to yourself in the mirror? 
<laughs> yeah, you are beautiful. You are amazing. You are a strong, independent woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, this guy's bullshitting me here. <laughs> yeah, you sure, mate? I'm not a woman. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, so that's another way to spot it. Even if they are your friend, go back, backtrack a little bit and go, okay, why has my friend John said this? Is it based on anecdote? Is there evidence for mm. this? So just forget that you're a friend for a second. That's important. Next one. Oh, I like this one. Is someone trying to sell you something? That's usually a massive red flag, yeah. Straight away, Tom, I thought of Squat You about his recent trainer uh, shoe obsession <laughs> thing because he has spent years convincing people that feet, uh, you know, you need a wide, a wide toe box, otherwise your feet are going to get destroyed and your body, you're going to get pain here, your legs are going to fall apart. And now he's brought out a solution. He's brought out a shoe with a wide toe box that will promise to alleviate all of these problems. Which, ironically, <laughs> is literally what a clown shoe is. Yeah. A pair yeah. of clown shoes is just a shoe of a massive toe box, like a yeah. a, a novelty-sized toe box. Yeah. Comically huge it. toe box. <laughs> yeah. That is a prime example, isn't it? Is someone trying to sell you something? <laughs> no, of course. That is usually a big red flag. And once again, you get a lot with uh, you know supplements or mm. people who are trying to appeal, like with the you know the ancestral fallacy, etc. Yeah, you see it with um, you see it with discount codes. A lot of fine Tom. They'll put like a lot of posts out saying, "Oh, this supplement's a game changer. It's helped me so much with my recovery, my sleep." And then at the end, they'll put, "If you want some discount code, you know, John twenty percent, mm. uh, John twenty to get twenty percent off." And it's like, and oh, okay, so it's herbal life. Everything you've just said beforehand, straight away in my eyes, has become weaker because you've just finished it with, oh, if you want some, use my discount code or I'll get kickback. So it's like, yeah, mm, that's interesting. Hulk Hogan selling his pasta in the 80s. What? Yeah, that was a real thing. Hulk Hogan, he had pasta, he had a pasta range. Yeah, so this is actually there's a massive story <laughs> behind this, Bill. Where, what the? This, I promise you, first of all, this is not misinformation. Okay, Hulk Hogan. This is not pasta. misinformation. You can Google this. This is all going to show. Hogan's pasta. Uh, I want you to guess what it was called. <laughs> Too long. Pasta mania. Oh, pasta mania. Because back in you know eighties, nineties, there was Hulkamania. Hulkamania Hulk. was running wild. So then he brought out pasta mania. Now, actually, it was a bit of a trade-off because um, it was between was he going to do pasta mania or was he going to do the the lean mean grilling machine? Actually, right. I can't remember who chose what. I think it was actually Hulk had the opportunity to do the grilling machine that George Foreman did. But right. actually, he chose to do pasta and George Foreman got the George Foreman grill. And obviously, the George Foreman grill was revolutionary. That did so much better. But yeah, you can actually Google it. Uh, I've just Hulk, found it. Uh, yeah, I've just found, I just found pictures. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, pasta mania. Oh my God. What was, this, was there anything special about it? Or was it just like... It was just pasta. It had its own restaurant at one point. You think someone like Kimmy Dav, maybe, yeah, and I just saw his restaurant. You think he'd maybe have like, I don't know, protein in it or something, like extra protein in the pasta or something like that. Oh, mate, this was the 80s. Yeah. Literally, the 80s was just one big demo for everything. <laughs> Laced with LSD. <laughs> the, the 80s was just different, man. You could try and do anything. As long as you tried it, it was different. That's mad, you know? that. I didn't oh, realise that. What about that. if we try and do a rollerblading cafe? Okay, cool. A rollerblading cafe? Yeah, those were fins as well. Roller calves. The These are all real fins, but I'm just showing my age here. God, I don't I'm know, mate. Can I talk about so much misinformation? I just don't I, know. I mean, I'm going to be really surprised if we do have that one listener that goes, yeah, I remember Pastamania. But guys, this is it. Tom told me about the Hulk Hogan thing. What did I do? I went to number one. Is there evidence for this? Googled it. There was evidence that they, he did have a pasta range. It was there. It was in clear black and white. He had a pasta Unless range. that's also <laughs> from a heavily biased conspiracy theory website. Be a yeah, bit of a weird, weird conspiracy theory to kind of, you know, expend effort on. 
Yeah, but, yeah. we'll have to double check this. Oh wow. Anyway, <laughs> I love it. I love where this is uh, where this episode is going. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> right. Pasta mania. Uh, next one. Uh, next one is: Is there fear mongering or an ideological spin? So this reminds me of last week's news. You know, you got to think think about when the content's being shared. Is the author of that content, or the you know the, the in that case last week we had the good ranchers make that thing? Are they trying to be provocative, or are they trying to play to a particular world view? Basically, is it making you emotional? And absolutely, mm. last week's headline about the lucky charms being healthier than steak is making people emotional. It's provocative. It's playing to a particular worldview of anti-government. So straight away, you if you knew what we just said to you there, is there fear mongering and ideological spin, you would know to read that headline and go, hmm, this is probably junk science. Let's look a bit deeper into this, which we obviously did last week. And you obviously heard our conclusion if you didn't listen to uh, the fitness news last week. But it's very simple. If you read an article and it makes you super emotional, they've done their job. They've done their job. You're going to react. You're going to read it look longer, spend more time on it. So then you've got to think, mm, what's I mean, the angle here? What, this why is they where like, the this? language is engineered specifically to get a reactionary response to engage in your emotions. So, you know, uh, when we talk about that article with the Lucky Charms versus Stakes, you know, it was, uh, you know, government backed. So straight away, it's not, oh, uh, this paper shows. It's no, no, this government backed. So straight away, there's an agenda there. I mean, it would be if if it was true, which it wasn't because it wasn't government backed. But even if it was something that was funded by the government, you could still say towards the end, yeah, like this is a you know this is something that has also been backed by the government. It's something we disagree with, etc. Blah 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 blah. You know, there might be vested interests as well. But to start off straight away with government backed, you know, straight away it's laying your cards on the table. Yeah, it's revealing your bias straight away. Next one is, does a post or person make you doubt the evidence? So the way I'd explain this one is, is there someone you're reading about that is notorious for sharing bollocks, basically, and they've just shared a brand new super study? If they're coming out saying, we've got a brand new super study saying that this is going to do X, Y, Z, if you then see who shared it, and it's actually a person who's notorious for sharing dodgy you know, misinformation, straight away you've got to think, okay, this could potentially be junk science. Make you wary. At the same time, a Broken clock can, can be still be right twice a day, but it would make you wary. Wary, exactly that. Exactly. Well, you find, mate, most of the time when Squat you shares stuff, that is the, the good stuff, you know, the broken clock being right twice a day. It's normally just more motivational stuff, like, oh, anyone can start lifting weights. You know, anyone can... Anyone something can ambiguous. The gym. Yeah, something that's just like anyone would agree with. But when it comes to evidence he shares, normally that's when... He starts to um, ring alarm bells, but when he yeah. when he says like normal stuff like oh anyone can get into the gym X Y Z whatever that's that's the good stuff, and that's when people start to get on his good side again. <laughs> Ironically, when it comes to misinformation, you know what I was saying earlier about how like it's low effort, but it creates it, it creates higher effort to um, then refute it. Mm. Squat you actually does the opposite. <laughs> so what I mean is when he puts out his good posts, it's actually low effort. It would just be like a motivational quotation or something you'd find on the, you know, the wall in British home store. <laughs> in the gym. You know, so <laughs> it'll just say something like Live love. Oh, love. You know, <laughs> yeah, but like the weightlifting equivalent. So it'll just be like, yeah. oh, weightlifting is great for elder older people. Or if someone tells you not to pick up a barbell, get a new coach. That's <laughs> then, quite low effort. And but then when top. he creates bullshit, it's so high effort with the amount of bullshit he puts in. Figures, mate. Every time he shares those posts, everyone just starts sharing it with like the clap emoji and stuff. It's like fucking hell. Anyone yeah. could have said that. It's like don't have to give a round of applause like, for saying, "Oh, people can lift weights." Cheers, cheers, mate. Cheers, Aaron. Yeah, motivational. <laughs> I call motivational quotationals. 
My, uh, <laughs> my, 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 my sister-in-law is notorious for them. Yeah. Why are you looking at your window? Is she there? I'm just <laughs> checking out just in case she is. No, because I was just thinking, you know what? I'm going to take this soundbite and I'm going to send it to her and it's going to upset her. But it'll be funny. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, right uh, right last one guys before we move on to the next piece and that is can you fact check it that's kind of back to the evidence thing is there a way you can, there, are, there are sources where you can fact check information that's if you're actually willing to even then believe what the fact check check, check says because there's yeah. plenty of people out there that bias you know oh well the fact checkers are, are controlled by them once again mm. who they are i have no idea for sure I mean, that moves us nicely, Tom, on to best and worst places to find health information. So just information in terms of uh, avoiding junk science, basically. Um, and it's quite it's quite tricky. I mean, Tom, is there anything you'd rattle off the top of your head? Joe, you know what? <laughs> Funny enough, like, uh, what they didn't really mention was, um, like, someone's credentials. Funny enough. Yeah, okay. But to be honest with you, credentials don't make a fucking blind bit of difference we've been through that mate yeah. yeah so i have seen it where people say oh well this person is a doctor or this person has a phd you know joel seaman has a phd apparently you know <laughs> or this person's a nutritionist i've seen now we've spoken about how in before let's go way back in time we've spoken about nutritionist is not actually a protected term and the gold standard is a dietitian because that is a protected term that is the cream of crop when it comes to nutrition-based professions. But at the same time, I've seen registered dietitians give absolutely fucking awfully bad takes mm. or misinformation. I mean, there was actually a study where, um, funny enough, uh, this study kind of like pulled all these uh, different nutrition-based books together and to see... Yeah, we spoke about this. We have spoke about yeah, this, yeah. Like which yeah, yeah. authors actually gave out most misinformation. So there was personal trainers, there was nutritionists, there was bloggers... There was, uh, yeah, dietitians, there was journalists. And funny enough, the highest percentage for giving out misinformation was actually physicians, which is doctors. Mm. doctors That's the people yeah. you go Crazy and see that. in the GP's office. So, yeah, out of PTs and out of editors and journalists and stuff and personal trainers, doctors were actually the worst. Mm. So I don't – at the same time, I'm not saying that titles don't mean fuck all, but at the same time, it does mean you should be wary – you should be wary. There are plenty of people with, you know, highly, highly um, reputational kind of uh, titles, but will still be peddling misinformation mm. but because they generally believe it or because it makes them money. Who knows? It's, it's, I think it's a tough question to answer in general, though, the best and worst place to find health information, because even if there's someone like a source of information, that, like a, a place that you go for your information that you think is a good source, the... The problem you can run into is if you become reliant on it and you become so trustworthy of it, you then start to become lazy with your critical thinking of when they put stuff out. Because if you assume everything they do is correct, you're less likely to d dig into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, for example, this podcast, people listen to us and, I mean, hopefully we're putting out the right information. However, people could be that trustworthy of us if we made a massive cock up. For example, one week we made a massive mistake and said something that was total bollocks because people have come to a position of where they trust us now, they could then run off of it and say this is legit. Do you know mm. what I mean? So I'd rather people learn how to critically think about information than opposed to direct them to certain sources of information so that wherever they go, they can find, basically, they, they can decipher if it's good or bad. Once again, this comes down to like effort and how misinformation is winning due to how it just requires so much low effort to believe it and to produce it. But the thing is, if someone makes a claim, just ask them, well, 
where are you what are you basing this belief off like what are you basing this claim off have you got a link or something if they link you to i don't know fuck it a, a blog based on liver king and straight away you can just be you know extremely skeptical off the get-go but it can be hard it's not always as simple as just asking for a citation or a source because the general public don't know how to read it in the first place mm. but at the same time you can still ask for it and um it might be they send you something which straight away you see red flags and it's like okay it paints a bit more of a bigger picture and then you know if it's even worth your time engaging in discussion with these people yeah or or complete opposite. They might give you a link to something that you thought was misinformation and actually it might end up changing your mind. Yeah. You've just got happened to happened to me before. You've just got to be willing to critically think about any given topic. Yeah. But at the same time it doesn't mean that you have to be super like um gullible. Yeah. I mean this actually moves really nicely onto this last point, Tom, and that is what can you do to pull someone out of a junk science rabbit hole? Uh, and this is where this is it's a really tricky one to navigate to be honest because we've spoken about how this is a very emotional topic and when people are very emotional and I've, I've spoken about this before actually is that I find it far too often now that people they 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 need to stop being like thinking so emotionally and start thinking logically about certain things people will just go straight in with that emotional response they won't take a step back and go okay let's look at this logically about what I know what the actual score is they'll go boom I'm angry I'm sad whatever so how can you pull someone out of this junk science rabbit hole? Well, the first thing is don't make them more emotional. So mm. I would I would say they didn't actually mention this in the article, but this is something that me and Tom have spoke about, and is that is pick your battles. And I think you alluded to it at the start of the podcast because they can give you all the tips in the world to help pull someone out of a junk science rabbit hole. But unfortunately, there are some people out there who are just going to be so stubborn, and you know, maybe from past experience or just from seeing them, that whatever you say, whatever you do, they will not listen to a word you say. All they will do is come back at you with more emotion, um, dismiss everything you say, and you'll get nowhere. And then anything, you're wasting your own time, and you're going to probably end up getting emotional because <laughs> you know emotion meets emotion. So I'd say pick your battles. There's no reason, like, you can, all our, look, that's what we do with our podcast. We put information out there. If someone wants to gob off and kick off about it, whatever. You know, if, they're, if, they're, if they're leaving an emotion, if they leave, like, a, let's say, a constructive point or whatever, or they, they've seen, okay, fair enough, we're engaged. But if someone just puts in the comments, oh, you're fucking stupid, I'm not going to engage with that. Why on earth am I going to waste my time engaging with what's clearly a very aggressive, you know, pointless comment? There's no need for it. So that'd be an example Basically, of picking a battle. Basically, if they're trying to create a discussion in good faith, and that's a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, if someone is uh, generally wanting to actually have a discussion, mm. if they generally want a discussion, then cool, you can discuss things. And as I said, you might it might be the complete opposite. Like You might be the one that actually ends up changing your beliefs or refining your opinion. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what? When it comes to talking to someone in regards to misinformation, I, I would approach it in the same way that I'll do motivational interviewing or behavior change. And that is, um, you, well, first of all, you understand that you cannot change the opinion or the mind of someone whose mind does not want to change. Mm, sure. It's already a lost battle. But if you are talking to someone that is a bit unsure and you can tell they generally want to talk about it, not just dictate it, but actually want to talk about it, they're willing to hear the other side, then you should probably actually just zip it and let them do most of the talking and just ask them questions about their belief or why they believe it. So how can you believe that? So just question them and talk to them. And funny enough, what will happen is there's a possible chance that they'll end up actually talking themselves out of their own belief. 
Whereas if you try to force their hand, all you'll get is a defensive reaction and you'll get more pushback and they dig deeper into their hole and they become more emotionally aggressive, more defensive. Most times, the more you let someone kind of talk about their conspiracy theory, chances are they'll actually end up talking themselves out of it because they'll actually realise they've actually said it out loud and it's like, Hannah, why do I actually believe this? Does that even make sense? But if it's someone who they're specifically believing to choose that, because they're heavily biased, they want to believe it. It's not that that's what they believe, it's that they actually want to believe it. It gives them that comfort of believing that conspiracy theory, and you're not going to change their mind. I think what you've just said there really highlights one of the important, most important things you can do in this is, is listen. Listening is more important than speaking. It's, and another thing you can look at, like Tom said about that, they talk themselves out of it. But another thing you can try and do is adopt something we've spoke about, the still man approach. So... Yeah. It's basically where you take a step back and you start to listen and you start to think, okay, how have they got to this conclusion? You try to almost join their side. You're almost trying to say to yourself, okay, they're telling me all this. How does this all work? Like, why have the why do they? Because they obviously think the way they do for a reason. So you're almost trying to join them. You're trying to think, okay, I want to believe this as well. But then by doing that, you then start to, it becomes more clear, as Tom said, that they might unpick their own conspiracy. You then start to realize the holes in their conspiracy. You're like, oh, I'm trying to convince myself this is true, but I've just realised this is a bit dodgy. You don't have to say anything, but you, you then know in your head, mm, okay, this is one reason why they might have thought that. I now know when, I, when it's my turn to speak, I've got a pretty obvious caveat because I've just thought about it. So listening is really important. But further to that, when you do decide to speak, so you're not listening anymore, you've got to remain calm because as Tom said, you're going to get angry. People are going to get, there's going to be more pushback. Uh, emotions are going to ride high. So remain calm and... I'd say try and find common ground, Tom. I don't know if we can give an example of that, but by finding common ground, you tend to neutralise any hostile emotion, I'd find. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, look, as long as you don't go on the attack, which to be fair is what a lot of people do when they're trying to specifically convince someone that they're rotten, then straight away you're going to elicit a defensive response. And it no longer becomes about the discussion. It becomes about, I need to win this argument. Or, or worse... You're sheep. You're one of them. It's like let me. I'll just right. If I, let me try. And, I'm just going to try and spit out an example from the top of my head. So let's say we're talking to a flat earther, and they're talking about yeah. the the horizon thing, saying you can't see. You know, if you look out to believe right, you know, it's just flat. Whatever. Blah blah blah. Let's then say I'm a sailor, and I go, oh, you go out and you go out sailing quite a lot, do? And they go, yeah. I go, oh, I love I love, I love sailing. I, I get what you're actually saying. I remember seeing that when I went out sailing all the time and stuff. Straight away, you've got a bit of a, a common ground engagement there. But then you could be like, yeah, you say that though, mate. But actually, if we look at the curvature of the earth, blah, 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 and you could start going into stuff. But because you've got that initial common ground of, oh, we both sail. I'll, I'll see what you're talking about. They're they're neutralised, so they're more susceptible to listen to them what you've got to say. If you just went straight and said, no, you fucking mm. idiot, curvature of the earth, come on, fucking switch on, they're going to be like, bah, bah. but because you've neutralised it with some mm. common ground, they're more likely to listen to what you've got to say. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you'll know if someone's unsavable at the end of the day. I shouldn't use that word. You'll know <laughs> so, if someone's yeah. not willing to listen <laughs> yeah. because they'll just keep on changing the goalposts constantly. Mm. Yeah. They'll keep on changing the goal goalposts. So you could say that, Bill, mm. you know, but then the person straight away, like the person is no longer looking to still man their own argument. They're just looking to shut you down. So then they might say, "All all these physics, it's made up by them." Yeah, but then you—that's when you go back to them, whoever you, them are. But then you just basically rewind to pick your battles, and at that point you just probably go, "Oh, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy," and you just walk off or just disengage. You yeah, go, oh, that's crazy. Oh, you're probably right. 
Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're probably right. Mate, you piss off one of our friends loads by saying that. He gets fucking fuming. That's, that, mate, I use that at the gym. I use yeah, it with everyone. You're probably right. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, it's not actually mine. It's actually, I stole that from Austin Baraki from Barbara really? Medicine. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's done me fucking wonders, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I can go to sleep at night fine yeah. but people will be left seething that day <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah like um, usually if someone's going to be saved like even though it can be depressing to know that this is the state humanity's got itself in mm. at the same time as you said it's just a waste of your own energy yeah exactly you know that. you could have good discussions with people uh, the people that generally want to have discussion a lot of it actually comes down to you and how you approach it. And uh, actually, you know what? I actually got this term from um, Jay or Science by Jay, uh, mm. the artist formerly known as Mr. Cogfit. And that is just science communication, being a good science communicator. And I've actually seen this on social media as well. So this is why I don't respect... <sighs> Fuck me. How much drama do I want to cause it? <laughs> there we go. This is why I think people like Lane Norton or Bio Lane go wrong. Mm, okay. Is you know, people ask genuine questions. They don't understand. They'll generally ask something and straight away they'll get it double barrel. Yeah. You know, why the Actually, fuck are you people idiots? Yeah, why are you fucking yeah. guys like this? I'm so fucking sick of explaining to myself. It's like, whoa, whoa, fucking simmer down there, Yellowstone. You know, <laughs> Yellowstone. chill. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But then yeah. I've seen other people um, <clears throat> where... I've seen it where they've actually... So once, I'll give you an example, people from Barbell Medicine, I've seen Alan Flanagan do it as well, where someone has asked a question where at first it might sound like they're being rhetorical, like, oh, well, how do you explain this? But then they'll actually break it down in a really respectful way via science communication. And, um, you know, they don't just give them like a PubMed idea and say, here you go. They say, okay, well, this is my current belief, etc. It's based on this. Also, and this is something Alan Flanagan does, which I really like, is he won't just say, oh, the evidence shows this conclusion. He'll also explain the mechanism behind it. Mm. Yeah, he goes really So he doesn't just say evidence shows really this. He says, look, the evidence currently shows this. And the reason being is the mechanism behind why this is being concluded this way is because of X, Y, Z. Um, and I think that's fucking awesome. And I'm mm. trying to be more like that. If someone in good faith wants to ask me something, even if it's something, I get asked the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. But at no point do I get pissed off or do I get aggressive or, you know, hostile over it. There's no need for it. All you're doing, all you're actually doing is continuing a perpetual cycle of people becoming defensive and thinking, you know, these science guys are fucking arseholes. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is creating pushback. It's ridiculous. Fucking grown men acting like they peaked in high school when it comes to their personalities. You know, it's it's embarrassing. You know, if you don't want to communicate with people, find another fucking job. If you're in this industry, half of your job is communicating, and making it understandable job. to the general population. Mm. And that includes the most, to what you may consider, the most simplest common sense question. But as we know, common sense isn't all that common. And it's heavily influenced by your own personal experiences and beliefs and culture and God knows what else. So, yeah, if you are talking to someone in regards to misinformation, you need to come at it from a you know respectful position. If you win to explain it to them and don't just fucking citation dump them, you know, don't just call them an idiot. Try and understand their argument and then you can move on from there.
Okay, guys, before we move on to the next piece of news, we, of course, got to give a little shout out to our Patreons, especially, of course, Colleen, producer of the show. I would love to give you an update on her whereabouts. We did say her last uh, estimated uh, whereabouts was Sunderland, which is basically Newcastle, but we're not sure. I'm not really sure. I've not heard from her for a little while, but she could still be in that region of the world. Who knows? We'll let you know. We'll keep you updated for sure. I think we should just stop referring Newcastle as to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> to the Twilight you know, Zone? Sadly, our producer is still in the fifth dimension of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> there you go, then. That's it. <laughs> that's not misinformation. That's ge- that's genuine. <laughs> yeah. As I said, the same from Birmingham. You know, it might as well be the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone, yeah. Um, obviously, jokes aside, thanks, you guys, for supporting us. Um, if you remember last week, we did mention something about rice. Um, I mean, unlucky for you, but lucky for us, really. We didn't get the, the quota to uh, <laughs> to make sure we can get, get those bags of rice. So that is still going. Mm. Um, if you do want to see us inundated with Uncle Ben's rice, uh, it's not even called, actually, it's not even called Uncle Ben's anymore, is it? Is it called Ben's Original? Is that right? Is that right? I ain't got a clue. I had some earlier, funny enough. Yeah, uh, it's called Ben's I, Original. I, I didn't have enough time to read the package. Yeah, Ben's Original. Time is a barrier. Anyway, um, if you... <laughs> Once again, the rice thing, the rice game is still on. So if you head over to our the, the description of this podcast, there will be a link to our Patreon. Sign up, see some sh- mad little behind the scenes videos that me and Tom put on there. We put other little random. Sh- you get the podcast early as well, which is nice if you want to listen to it over a weekend. I don't know if you've you know, if you've got a boring weekend lined up, you can listen to me and Tom chat shit early. Um, so you head over there, give it a sign up, um, chat shit. No, 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 that's not right. That's the website. Patreon.com/slash CSGF podcast. And that will take you straight there. And you can sign up to one of the tiers and speak to us. You can actually directly speak to us. You can even get a video from us. That's one of the tiers. If you actually get one of the tiers, me and Tom will make you a video and we will talk to you, which is terrifying in some respects. <laughs> you muted. You muted, Tom. You muted. You muted. That's a great start. <laughs> As I was saying, uh, I'm also contactable by Ouija board. Moving on to the next piece of news. <laughs> God. I also do face-to-face visits at night when you're asleep. <laughs> oh my God. Really selling this Patreon. Really selling the Patreon. Mm. <laughs> I tickle your toes. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. For £3.50 for three above, you get fucking Tom in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And you could be, you know, worldwide. Like Father oh. Christmas, I just appear. <laughs> down the chimney. <laughs> yeah, down the chimney, you know. Up the sewer, <laughs> how I wanted to get in. <laughs> sewer? Like that episode of X-Files, I could squeeze through the door frame. Oh, disgusting. Right. Let me just have a sip of water, and then we'll move on to train harder. Ah, refreshing indeed. So, guys, next piece of news is train harder, as I just said. Basically, it's not a super new uh, research, really, but it was shared on social media. And then, Tom, you actually shared it yourself. Bit of an influence, aren't you? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Big posts. Yeah, I you, did you influenced this week's news, to be fair, because you're such a fucking big timer on social media. Um, basically, there was a study that was shared, and it was claiming that people are increasing in enjoyment of exercise when they do high-intensity interval exercise. Um, and we, the reason we're bringing this up is because we have in the past seen certain fitfluencers share anti-hit mm-hmm. posts, so anti-interval training, high-intensity interval training posts, saying it's dangerous, it's fucking stupid, it's not worth it, blah, 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 blah. So... This study came out and it looked at 20 males and 20 females who didn't or don't at the time regularly exercise. And then it put them on a moderate intensity continuous training or high intensity interval training three times a week for six weeks. And despite 
high intensity interval training being more obviously more strenuous, basically fucking people up more because it's more high intensity. It was actually perceived as being more enjoyable the more the subjects did it. And then the lower mm. intensity stuff remained lower and it actually got worse over time. Um, if you actually, obviously, I can't show you the graph because it's a podcast, but you can see on the graph, obviously, the, the chart, you can see the lower intensity stuff started at quite a low baseline anyway, and then it just yeah. dipped off after about five, six. Um, and the question you probably ask yourself first is, is, you know, is why is this? Because there's always this anti hit rhetoric online. But I think personally, Tom, people prefer, obviously, this is subjective, you know, people prefer what they prefer, but people like a challenge, a sense of achievement. You feel like you've yeah. actually trained. If you do a hard workout, people feel like they've they've battled through something um, and they've actually felt like they've done some more hard work. They feel like they've actually trained the body. They feel like they've been to the gym. So automatically there's there's that sort of endorphin rush of, I fucking smashed it today. I, you know, I was smashing those burpees. I was throwing that weight around. I loved it. So there's more enjoyment. However, when you go on like a bit of a low intensity potter or let's say whatever, pe- people are just a bit like... Phew. You, you tend to see people don't really get that rush the same way. I don't know what, what you've, from your experience. Right. Yeah, I don't see what you've seen from your experience. But that's my point of view. Obviously, I, I, I'm in and around the CrossFit space where <laughs> pretty much all of it is fucking absolutely nails. Yeah. Um, but I don't know from your point of view what you've what you've seen. I mean, if we look away from the study, um, you know, I think it could be enjoyable for many other reasons, which, yeah, doesn't really <clears throat> get included in the study. So, for example, some people might enjoy it more because it's actually more efficient in regards to their time. Oh, for sure, yeah, think about that, yeah. You know, it could also be due to, once again, this is moving away from the study, because in the study, both use a bike, but I mean, uh, both groups use a bike. But it could be just understanding that it's, uh, you know, not much equipment could be needed moving away mm. from the bike. You know, it can be done in your own home as well. But if we do look back at the actual study itself, I mean... As you said, like um, there was a period where fitfluencers were absolutely shitting on hit mm-hmm. for some stupid reason, you know. And once again, the algorithm doesn't help. So you know, you've got one influencer copying another influencer, then copies another influencer. So suddenly we had all the Smithlets, etc., all shitting on hit for whatever reason. Probably because Joe Wicks did it, and Joe Wicks bad. So you know, yeah, great, mm-hmm. cool, crack on parrots. Um, but yeah, when we consider that in this study, they were actually bringing people that didn't regularly exercise. I mean, that's awesome because what are we trying to do? We're trying to get people more active, particularly sedentary people. So for this study to take, you know, people who weren't that active and put them on a hit program and up to six weeks, they stayed level at high enjoyment. That's fucking sick. That's awesome. Brilliant. You know? Yeah, really good. I mean, this this isn't us saying that it's... I mean, obviously, I don't want to spoil the conclusion of this, but it's not us saying, you know, it is superior. It is absolutely superior to kind of like steady-state training here, uh, non-hit, but um, it goes to show that it is still a valid option. But a lot of people tend to paint hit as, oh, it's this miserable film where you're just flopping around. It's like, it's not at all. It's not at all. That's your bias saying that. You ain't always flopping around. As I said, in this study, they were doing it on a cycle. You know, that's something you could do in a gym mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yep. even if you have got time constraints. So yeah, seeing people who don't exercise regularly often suddenly come in, take up hits straight away. They're not having a bit of foundation of, you know, oh, well, first you've got to earn the right by doing 10 minutes of steady state, low intensity before you can do hit because hit is dangerous. That's not the case at all. You know, they went straight into hit 
and still after six weeks, it's something that they're enjoying. And if you're enjoying a particular exercise, or it be what you're actually doing as an exercise or the method adherence, of doing it, in this case here, consistency, adherence, you're more likely to continue it over time. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly that. Yeah. So the key for really from there from what Tom just said is, regardless if it's hit or not, if you're enjoying what you're doing, that's brilliant. You know, obviously this paper is saying that but this this paper is basically trying to go against the anti-hit re- rhetoric. It's not, it's not we're not saying it's superior as we'll come on to, but it's basically saying, look, people are enjoying it. Don't take that away from them by saying it's fucking stupid and dangerous because if they're, if they're not enjoying the other thing, they won't adhere to it. So then they just won't be active. And what we spoke before, you've got like the, you know, re- the reward spectrum almost. We'd rather people do something than nothing at all. Okay, like the the even by doing a little bit, a couple of times a week, we can see huge benefits in longevity and like mm. health outcomes. Okay, so doing something is better than nothing, right? And if you're enjoying it, do it. But there are going to be, of course, some potential drawbacks. And what I mean by that is, is when it comes to things like hit, people, especially in a CrossFit setting, people can have a tendency to do too much too soon because high intensity, as the name implies, is high intensity on the body. If you, then, if you do not allow for adequate rest periods, I mean, they only do it three times a week, which I think is a suitable amount. Three times a week is not a lot, really. It's, it's a good amount, actually. It's a solid amount. But if you start doing it five, six, seven times a week, on your first week, you potentially are going to be... You, you're increasing your risk of things like injury, for sure. And fatigue will increase dramatically because you've not adapted to it. And high intensity is exactly that. It's going to tax your body yeah. quite a lot. Particularly with CrossFit, where... Vo- uh, high volume tends to be synonymous with it as well. That'd be something to watch out for. Whereas if you did something like, I mean, you could still set for the the, the, le- the lesser intensity stuff. However, the risk is obviously reduced because there's not as much intensity. Of course, if you the volume volume is obviously equates for that. But if we looked at in terms of if you did six days of high intensity and six days of low intensity as a brand new person, you're more likely to probably you could argue increase your risk of injury and stuff would probably increase more on the high intensity as opposed to low intensity just because of the nature of the high intensity. But that's that's not to do with high intensity inherently. That'll be just due to your loading, basically, because the volume of the high intensity would probably be more overall. You get a good because the reason is you get a good bang for your buck, don't you, when you do things like hit. Yeah. You get a lot of work done in a short space of time. However, <laughs> you've got to be yeah. mindful mindful of that when you're when you're working out your volumes and stuff. I mean, um, you will get a bit of pushback as well where people say, so I said earlier, oh, right, there are some influencers say, like, oh, you know, you're just flopping about, etc. But actually, like, um, it isn't always flopping about. Don't get wrong, there's burpees, etc. Nothing wrong with burpees, by the way. Um, people that shit on burpees are just fucking idiots, you know. And the injury studies behind them, uh, in fact, the one study where people were saying, oh, yeah, burpees are linked to injuries. When I went down the rabbit hole with this, it was like, oh, well, no, no, this study says it's boot camps, and in boot camps there's usually burpees. More therefore, uh, and in this and there was a lot of injuries in this boot camp, therefore, you know, burpees are bad. But then I actually read the study, it was like burpees, push ups, sit ups. So okay, it's like, well that's just fucking common exercises. But cherry picking what exercise you want to say is more dangerous there. Anyway, I'm dig- I'm digressing here, but like um <laughs> Yeah, like there's a lot of things you can do when it comes to hit. Now with this specific study we're talking about, it was on a stationary bike. But yeah, you could do it with weights, as you said, there's crossfit, etc. With that, you might need to be a bit more careful because you are doing resistance training, therefore you've also got to make sure you're not doing too much volume or too much weight. This is where RPE can come into, you know, handy, etc. But yeah, I mean it, it overall it's uh, it's just another tool. 
And once again, this study isn't saying that one is superior to the other. It's just, it's pretty much just hinting that, you know, some people are going to enjoy hit. And once again, if we're going off of adherence here as the main thing that's going to keep people consistently doing any form of exercise, then, you know, enjoyment is a big old part of it, mm. a big part of it. And if, and as well, like when we talk about activity in general, what does the NHS physical, sorry, what does the uh, WHO, what does the World Health Organization physical activity guidelines say? It says uh, as a minimum, like let's try and do 150 minutes of moderate activity per week or is it 70, 75 minutes of vigorous, yeah, vigorous activity think, yeah, per week? Yeah. So if you're unable to get 150 to 300 minutes per week of moderate activity. 75 is achievable. But you're able to mm-hmm. spread out 75 minutes throughout the week through hit sessions. Yeah. Then, you know, great. We've now got another tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. You know, it lowers that barrier to entry to exercise but once again this is why people need to stop shitting on things and creating barriers and unnecessary fear to mm. certain methods of exercise yeah so i'd like to see like a, a large-scale study on this i think kind of looking at mass on high intensity versus low intensity simply because my personal opinion would be i can see why people would prefer excuse me i'm gonna sneeze <coughs> fucking hell terrible timing bless you i can feel it tickling tickling away it's not you tickling my feet is it you, you tickle my feet under the desk. <laughs> no, that's the cancer causing curtains. Oh god, yeah. So now I've got a towel as a curtain at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fucking hell, cost cheap, of living. Cost of living, mate. I know. Anyway, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it again because I've lost. Actually, no. You're curtain. using a towel because you know about what they are trying to do yeah, with the curtains. I know what they're trying to do. You're, My landlord. You're a truth seeker. Oh god, we ain't got the same landlord, have we? <laughs> Fucking. To be fair, he has moved away. Oh, he, they. Oh, day. Sorry, day. day. <laughs> right. Anyway, back on track. So, as I was saying, I'd like to see a large scale study on this, just looking at what the enjoyment is preference. Because, in my opinion, when people start on these like fat loss journeys, for examples, some people have a tendency to just go for a run every day. Like they just do loads of cardio. They go running long, long hour runs every day. I can see that getting very tedious because I think, as a society um, that we do live in, uh, we like change. We like things to be varied. People get bored very quickly of stuff. So if you go for a run every day, same same sort of route, same distance, whatever, I can see it getting quite boring. Wherever, uh, however, sorry, if you're doing hit-based stuff, like high-intensity stuff of varied movements, different stuff every day, different time domains, but just at high intensity, I can imagine that could be more exciting, don't you? That's my opinion, but I can imagine that being more exciting for someone doing it yeah. than I just go I mean, for I suppose it. it- depends if you want to if you have specific adaptions in mind that you want to make oh yeah if you're trying to do a triathlon or a marathon or something yeah obviously you can have to yeah <laughs> you can have to hit, hit but if both. you're doing it just for the activity then yeah like um hit you can just kind of like muck about with it so conclusion to that segment guys is hit is not the devil relax uh, have fun yeah enjoy life yeah exactly live love love if you enjoy it <laughs> crack on We will move on to the final piece of news, which is, I would say, a low-intensity activity. However, the people who advocate this stuff, uh, they say it's quite intense. So we're going into Reformer Pilates. Now, what is this and why the fuck is it all over TikTok is probably what you're thinking right now. Well, according to a GQ article, Harry Styles is to blame, the former member of One Direction. Uh, Basically, there's a video of him that got shared around of him using a Pilates Reformer thing. Now, Tom, did you have a look at the memes of this? 
I haven't seen the like, memes. No, I'll put I'll put a video out for this because it's quite it's him using it, and you basically have the handles like this, and he's like moving like this with this machine, and people have made him like flying through space, flying on cable cars, and like, <laughs> oh, like it's fucking hilarious, mate. Um, but it's, it's one video, and it it got shared all over TikTok, and as we know, co content that goes viral on TikTok. Obviously, it's viral, wasn't it? So it's, it's all over the place. Um, so that's why reformer Pilates have blown up. It's, it's, a, it's not a new thing. It's been around for quite a while. Okay, seen, yeah. Have you, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen yeah, the it's seen, yeah. <laughs> God, why is he dressed like the kid from Stranger Things? But he's a he's a very um, wacky individual, isn't he? I do like him, yeah. though. Yeah. I do like Harry. Big, big has. Big H. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> so, memes aside... You obviously know what one of these things looks like, Tom. For people who aren't listening, I would describe it as a medieval torture rack. That's that's what I would decide. That's what I, how I would describe the reformer device. It, it does look very torture esque. Yeah, I mean, as you said, like it's it's nothing new. Uh, this device has kind of been around for ages now. Um, but basically, I mean, how would you describe it? It's you could say it looks like a sex dungeon bed. Yeah, it does, doesn't you it? Know. Um, some the tra traditional ones do seem to be like wooden, but you mm. can you can get like more metallic, like uh, yeah, sure. looking ones, like more modern gym based ones. But basically, it's like four grand those ones. They're well expensive. Yeah, yeah. The price range. We we'll talk about the price ranges later, but they can really? be very dramatic yeah. in their price ranges. But I mean, it's basically like a it's like a frame. Uh, you can get into various Pilates positions on it. There's there's a lot of moving gizmos on there. So there's different handles. There's like a sliding um, resistance thing platform on it. There's there could be resistance bands. There's springs. Yeah. Basically, all the things you need to get into different positions and get tension in different movements. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think uh, if we just rewind to Pilates in general, because people, I'm fully aware people might be like, "What the fuck is that?" Basic. When you normally think of Pilates in general, it's often seen as like a mat-based activity. And essentially what it is, is it's a, it's a, a series of, you could say, a repetitive, a series of repetitive exercises performed on a yoga mat. Or you sometimes have other little bits of equipment. And they normally claim that it will promote strength, stability, flexibility. And the word core is very yeah, it's uh, synonymous with it. Yeah, exactly. It comes up a lot with it, the word core. So that's kind of it. When you think of core training, Pilates is normally thrown in there as an option. Um, I think the reason behind that is like a lot of the movements are kind of isometric based. Yeah. You know, so and, and to be honest with you, like uh, so what you said earlier about it being like a low intensity, um, it can be quite not hard, you know. necessarily been, to be I've honest done, with you. I've done a Pilates before and got fucked. <laughs> yeah, some of the movements are, I mean, a lot of people struggle with a plank. Yeah, there's a lot Pilates of Pilates can stuff. be quite inventive yeah, yeah, yeah. with the way that they build these isometric exercises mm. 100s is an exercise that's if you yeah, look google pilates 100s they're brutal especially if you're kind of like destabilizing yourself by like uh waving your arms back and forth and stuff like that yeah it can be bloody tough and obviously the reformer bench basically gets you doing these movements but it allows you to kind of like adjust your range of motion it can place tension. So, for example, the resistance bands attached to it mm. now means you've got now resistance coming from, you know, different angles, etc. Yeah. It basically just uh, it makes it more versatile. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if we look at what uh, there's a guy here, uh, I'm going to call him Big Dylan. Uh, he comes in with his own th thoughts on the reformer. So, his his uh, this is from him. He says the point of a reformer. He goes, it's a contraption of ropes and sliding wooden parts, and it is to decrease the load put through the joint. 
Okay, he goes on to say, Reformer Pilates is naturally a different experience to Matt's Pilates. The key difference is in the springs and how much resistance you add, which is what Tom just said. And then he goes on to say, the common misconception is that Pilates is just breathing and stretching and it's a bit boring and easy. Obviously, we just said to so it's really not. Um, so they've the Reformer is supposed to be a Gucci version, a bit more exciting, a way you can add resistance to. It's, it's like you could compare, I suppose, Tom, to doing a body weight workout compared to a loaded workout with some barbells and dumbbells couldn't you in a way yeah yeah that'd probably be an of, easy yeah. way of sort of obviously not the exact same but you're not using any kind of like external resistance like weights or you know yeah uh, i mean the, the bands can be kind of used yeah resistance you know, bands, bands can be used yeah and Medicine even balls. like you get some called yeah pilates balls as well yeah. mm. so you know there, there is the option for resistance yeah but yeah um yeah, some of the moves are really bloody tough i mean there's like v sits and stuff like that funny enough like um I think I've told this story before, but I actually completed a course in Pilates for orthopedics. orthopedics. Oh, wow. And then it actually got uh, taken away from me. So I passed. I passed the exam, Mm. passed the qualification. This is a course that was given to me, by the way. And then they actually took it away from me because they said, oh, shit, we didn't realize that you uh, you needed a foundation course in level one Pilates first before you actually did this. So really? I was like, well, shit. <laughs> However, technically, I could still put it on like an advertisement because I don't think it's actually a protected term. Probably not. <laughs> nah. but I can, I can use a Pilates exercise in a session no one's going to fucking stop me I you can't there. gatekeep exercise I'm, I'm going to now. do you know what I mean where's your level one foundation yeah I could have someone doing like a fucking you know cat cow or have them <laughs> doing a, a, a vinyasa whatever it's called pose vinyasa what are they going to do call the police on me yeah, they get I'm just teaching someone a movement. <laughs> call, call the local temple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're too busy on coke. It's, <laughs> do you it, it, yeah, it's, I was going to say, it's all fun and games until you do that in like, I don't know, Thailand or something. Thailand, yeah. You know, and then they do actually come from the temple and find where you live. Temple of what was it? Band some fun? <laughs> something like, wait, where was it? Was it, uh, yeah, it was talking about in a podcast yeah, recently, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Band some fun, wasn't it? it was, uh, they all got done for coke, didn't they? All the te- all was the it in Thailand or was it in uh, China we was thinking of? No, it was Thailand, I'm pretty sure. Was it Thailand? Yeah, I can't exactly. remember. That's cool reinforcements, isn't it? Yeah, fucking brutal. <laughs> um, but yeah, what the fuck was we just talking about here? But yeah, I mean, uh, some of these movements can be really difficult. Um, <clears throat> but because they're... Be- because they can be isometric-based, it can be like a good um, introduction to people who are new to exercise, etc. as well. Low barrier. Yeah, exactly. It could be a low barrier. And, you know, people do Zoom classes. Yeah, I mean... We say Pilates is a low barrier, but if you if you bring the reformer and we've already alluded to the price, I mean, when you look at how much these things cost, if you go to like an Argos special, it's about 700 quid, which is like the bare basics. And if you go up to like some of the really Gucci ones, we're talking thousands. I've seen them for like three, 4,000 quid for one of these devices. Yeah. So <laughs> the appeal to normal Pilates is it's easier access, low barrier. However, reformer, there's a few more barriers there. So I feel like personally, unless you're a celeb like, you know, Big Harry or maybe you're lucky enough to live near a studio or a gym, yeah. you're putting... Now, the thing is, if, even if there is one in your studio or your gym, you're probably going to have to go to a class because you probably won't have to use it because you'll look at it and you'll be like, okay, this is literally a medieval torture rack. What on earth do I do with it? Um, but you can go to classes. So I did actually have a look, Tom, uh, in London and there was a studio in Kensington Um and it does look very popular. Pretty much all the classes I saw had a wait list, yeah. which, was, which was interesting. I was like, wow, there's like only a couple which had a, a slot available. Um, and one class is £35. So it's not like super cheap. You could buy bulk classes for cheaper, but for that price and for them to have loads of wait lists, it just shows mm. that it's, it's quite an enjoyable 
method of fitness. But then again, Kensington is quite a nice part of London. So they're, yeah. probably, all, <laughs> they're probably all absolutely loaded. <laughs> and I think Pilates has kind of got that, um, you know, reputation of being like a an upper class form of exercise as well. Mm. That's me being a bit classist there. Yeah, but no, that's I, just I, my I, personal thought. Especially reform. I mean, when I look to the pictures of the studio, when you yeah. look to the people doing it, it looks like a lot of affluent mums from a... Yeah. From Kensington, to yeah. be honest. So I'm not saying that's bad, by the no, way. No, of course, no, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> don't, don't, don't put me down that uh, pigeonhole, but it's not, yeah. this does seem a bit more trendy. Obviously, Harry's doing it. He's an absolute super pop star, isn't he? So, but I wouldn't say this is <laughs> like your, your jump pop's probably going to get stuck into reformer Pilates anytime soon, if I'm being yeah. honest. I mean, my bias is, um, no, sorry, carry on. All I was going to say was, I've got a quote as well, just to finish on this uh, <laughs> on reform of Pilates. And that is, if we go back to when we said about like sciencey language, and, like buzzwords to things. So, yeah. Maud, um, which is one of Dylan's friends, I believe, from this article, he put through regular practice, Maud believes it can help unlock your body, improving movement and quality of life, <laughs> which is just like. I don't even know what that means. Like, what does it even mean to unlock your body? Um, I mean, I could take a guess what they might be trying to say, but when you say unlock, it's a very like ambiguous, <laughs> very ambiguous, nebulous Un- term, isn't it? It's like yeah. what, what do we, what, what is the criteria we're looking for here for unlocking? Do they mean that? Oh, we're going to increase your flexibility and your mobility, yeah. so you might be able to reach behind your head better. Mm. Okay, cool. You're going to be able to sit down the toilet more comfortably. Okay, fair enough. But it's sound lock. I do hate these buzzwordy terms. You know what they're missing there, Tom? They should have put, it believes it can help unlock your body, improve movement and quantifiably yeah. improving your quality of life. You're going to be able to quantify wiping your ass better. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, I guarantee you'll be able to wipe your rectum by actually reaching your arm over your neck. <laughs> oh, God. You know, you're going to be that flexible. Right, I'll buy the reform, I'll buy the reformer right now. <laughs> you're going to be able to... You're going to be able to fold up on a, like a pretzel. You're going to be able to drive cross-legged. <laughs> Please don't try that. Drive cross-legged? Yeah, how I don't you, know how that would work. How would that even work? How long are your Where, toes? You, you, you cross your, you've, you've unlocked your ability to do so, haven't you? Fucking <laughs> hell. You've got Dr. Xavier. You've unlocked your femur length. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, have you got anything else to add on reformer, reformer Pilates? I mean, I've got nothing bad to say about it, really. It's just I wouldn't say it's yeah, very accessible. nothing really bad. Uh, one thing I will say is um, so whenever I think of Pilates, my bias does go towards the common claim that it's like it is the the answer to things like back pain, etc. We do have evidence to show that Pilates can help alleviate back pain, but it doesn't perform any better than just normal other traditional exercise. This isn't to say that that's a bad thing. It just means that it's not the one secret trick. It's not the cure-all. But it is still an option. Mm. There is another option there. So, you know, if you if you want to do Pilates because you want to get a bit fitter, you want to get a bit stronger, you want to build your flexibility, whatever else, you want to improve your quality of life because you want to reduce any kind of pain you may have in happy days, Pilates might be the thing. And, yeah, it might be more accessible in the sense that it's something you could do at home. It's something you could do by following YouTube videos for free. Mm. You could do online Zoom classes. So, you know, we are lowering the barrier to exercise there. Um, my bias is always, you know, I'd rather get people resistance training because, one, that is what the World Health Organization recommends people do. And you're such a gym you know, bro, Tom. I am a gym bro. <laughs> but, you know, like um, when it comes to resistance training in particular, the population is severely underdosed. Not a lot of people, you know, take up resistance training. 
Um, so even though Pilates is a good form of exercise, and it's a complete valid form of exercise, at the same time, I would rather get people to do get more band for their buck by promoting resistance training. But it doesn't mean it has to be an either or. Yeah. It's just that um, it's one of those things where it's just another option, but I'd rather get people lifting weights. My bias. That is all the news this week, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening to the fitness news. And if you do want to do us a massive favor, now I'm going to mix up a little bit. I'm going to target a certain part of this audience because you probably don't know this, Tom, because I'm more of a stat demon, oh, more, of a, more of a stat goblin. A lot of our audience comes from a place called Overcast, which is a podcast, it's like a quite a Gucci podcasting app. So if you are listening on Overcast, is that in Sunderland, but it, no, no, it's an app on the app. They've store. always got an Overcast. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell that was awful so you're a dad <laughs> um, basically like though, the twilight zone <laughs> if you are listening on overcast though i'm not sure how it works with like leaving ratings and reviews and stuff however be a bit cheeky now if you are listening on overcast because a lot of you i've seen the numbers head over to spotify so after this pause it now if you want to head over to spotify find our podcast and press follow and give us a rating okay do that right because that will have some power that can how you could do us a favor right because i'm not sure how the cast works with the algorithm and stuff but spotify you give us a follow give us a little little five stars you're going to do us a solid an absolute solid if you're if you're on one of your walks listening to this just quickly nip into the nearest bp garage for safety and yeah give us a rating that way (laughs) if you're driving in your car um either just ram into the vehicle nearest you to bring yourself to a quick stop or maybe going to a lay-by by if there isn't a car within your vicinity and give us a view that way. If you're in a helicopter, park on the nearest, uh, you know, the, the nearest the nearest tallest building. Give us a view that way. If you're in a submarine, just park it on the bottom <laughs> of the shoal. <laughs> park it you on know. the bottom. <laughs> yeah, just park your submarine. I think that's how submarines work. Park it on the bottom of the reef or whatever, mar- on the meatball marinara trench. <laughs> meatball and, yeah, give us a view. Right, so... If you happen if to you're be... in a plane, if you're in a plane, <laughs> this is where it gets tricky. Right. Reverse the plane back to where you took off from. Put it in reverse. <laughs> park it back up. Back in Yui on the runway. Yep. Do get that back in on, Get back on the Wi-Fi. Uh, can you think of any other vehicles, Bill? Vehicles. Tractor. I live in Norfolk. There's loads of them. <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're in a tractor, get probably, you know, just, uh, you know, Get your sister, who's also your wife, to do it for you. <laughs> I like that. Oh, cheeky dig that. Like that. Right. Um, yeah, guys, if you happen to be listening on Overcast at any of those modes of transport, do what Tom just said. Uh, get on Spotify, give us a follow, and give us a little review. That would uh, do us a big favour, and we'd appreciate it very dearly. Anyway, it's been a pleasure as always, and we will see you next week, same time, same place, for some more fitness news. See you soon. Yeah, see you soon.